Bibles, Exodus chapter 13 and Genesis 4. If you turn to those two spots, they're really close to each other. So if you're new to the Bible, it goes Genesis, Exodus. So the, there you go, Exodus 13. And then uh, put, in, put your bulletin in uh, there or, and then go to Genesis 4. Actually, put your bulletin in Genesis uh, chapter uh, 4 because we'll go back to that. That would be our last, one of our last scriptures. So uh, Exodus 13 is where we're going to start if you want to get ready. Uh, today, like I said, I believe that in my opinion, this is the most important principle or scripture uh, that we're going to share in the series. But I, I, it's a life, it's really a life message. It's really our worship. And I'm going to talk about the principle of first. And you're going to see the principle of first in Genesis, and it's going to go all the way through Revelation. All right, so... Um, we're not going to go through all, every, all 66 books of the Bible. We'd be here a while. I don't mind if you don't mind, but I, we're going we're gonna to cover it. And so, but it's all through the scriptures. So this isn't like uh, New Testament, Old Testament, law, grace. It's, look, pr- the principle of the first is spoken all through scripture, and God is, it's very important to God. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Now, uh, Matthew chapter 6, 33 is really a heartbeat scripture for all of us as believers, but as a church, Westerners, it's kind of a DNA scripture. You heard Pastor Catherine talk about encounter. Uh, really, kingdom life is all about this scripture. This is the, the theme or the focus scripture is Matthew 6, 33. And Matthew 6, 33 basically says this. Now, you have to understand the context, so I would encourage you to go read Matthew chapter 6 totally in context. Uh, but bas- basically, this is the uh, this is the uh, if I could just say that this is the therefore, or the bottom line is this right here. So if you're a bottom line person, you'll like this. Uh, this is what Matthew 6.33 says. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So maybe you're saying, well, what are all these things? Well, that's why you need to read Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 covers a slew of topics, all right? And really, it talks about giving to the poor, uh, prayer, the Lord's Prayer, how he taught us to pray is in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, it talks about fasting, how to fast, how not to fast. Uh, gives you some great examples. Heavenly treasures versus earthly treasures. talks about materialism and not to get caught in the trap of the earth. Um, it talks about your daily bread, your everyday needs, anxiety, worrying, all of those things. And then it ends with Matthew 6, 33. But with all of these things, everything that you're reading right now, everything that's happening in your life, Always, 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 always. And this is why I say it's the most important principle. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things he'll take care of will be added to you. Um, So uh, this is really the heartbeat of today's message. We always seek first the kingdom. In fact, while we were worshiping, I really had a word from God or a scripture that he put on my heart. And it was was found in 1 Peter chapter 5. And so uh, just... Uh, just hang with me. You can read that again later too. But First, first Peter chapter 5 really says the same thing in a different way. And here's, here's what Peter is telling the church at this time. He says, uh, submit to God and resist the devil and he'll flee. So if you remember the scripture, really Peter is saying, hey, look, make sure that we're humble. Make sure we're under authority. Uh, make sure that we're not an arrogant or prideful person. God resists the proud and he Gives grace to the humble, right? So that's, that's the passage that, that we're talking about. And then it goes on to really talk about, in fact, maybe you never knew this, but this is where you find the verse, cast your cares upon the Lord, that he cares about you, he loves you, he wants you to tell you what's going on. Uh, you know, I grew up uh, outside, I didn't know the Lord until I was in my 20s, uh, but I always thought, and all of us do with a sin nature, we, you know, usually if you do something wrong, what do you do? You, it, your nature is like Adam's, it's to run from God, it's to hide from God, it's, you feel the shame or guilt or whatever it is, and your, your, your sin nature says to run to God, but here you're seeing the truth of God's word. Seek first the kingdom. God is saying, no, you come to me. You tell me what's going on. Tell me your cares. Tell me what's happening. Uh, and I'm going to begin to show you his, he begins to show you his heart. But the great thing about this scripture is he says, you know, there, there is an evil world that we're living. You're not fighting against people. Remember that. You're not fighting against people, although the words or the, the hurt may come through people, but really is the enemy influencing uh, 
people. We're not fighting against we're not fighting against people. We're fighting against principalities, powers, and the enemy himself. Uh, and here's what Peter says: Now the enemy himself is circling you like a roaring lion, waiting for those that he may devour. And I love the word "may" or the the writing or the purposeful words that he puts in the scripture because you have to allow it. As a believer, you have to allow it. He can circle you all he wants, but if you stand. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. So the truth is, the authority that you have, the power that you have as a believer is, first of all, submit to God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you can stand in the face of the devil all day long, and he has to flee. The problem with many of us as believers is is we try to take control of our lives. We try to take control of the situation with our own power, with our own knowledge and our own might, and guess what? The enemy loves that trap. He'll sit there and he will devour you. How many know lions are fast? You're not going to outrun him, all right? He's not more powerful than you. He's not smarter than you. Through Christ, by the way. It's it's through Christ that we are able, that we have all power and all might and all understanding and all wisdom. And when we are seeking first his kingdom with all his righteousness, he has to flee. He has to flee. So I just want to encourage you. It's really the same point looking at a different scripture. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take, it doesn't mean that you won't run into problems. Jesus said it himself. Look, just because you become a Christian, you start following God, or you've been following God for 20 years. If you've been following God for 20 years, you know there's problems. In this world, you'll have trouble. you have tribulation. Jesus said it himself. All right? But how many of you know, I'd rather go through trouble. When you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, here's the blessing. Here's the blessed life. Here's the abundant life Jesus talked about. When you're seeking God first, everything comes into order. Now, it doesn't mean that you won't have trouble, but everything comes into order. His heart, his principles, his heartbeat is in you. It all comes into order. So now you can walk into that trouble with his heartbeat and his understanding and his wisdom. And it's a, it's a peace that surpasses all of our understanding because we now have heaven coming to earth and we're fighting trouble head on with kingdom principles, with heavenly principles. I'd rather have that order than going into trouble with a life full of chaos and we're trying to fight through the battle ourselves without God. And this is where many of us get into trouble. Look, I've been there. I'm trying to, trying to answer this problem by myself as a human being. And I'm fighting against a devil who's much faster than I am and I'm trying to run to the tree and beat him. But how many of you know if you play with a snake too long, he's gonna bite you? And so many times we're trying to race a lion that's much faster than us We don't have the ability to to beat the lion to the tree, but we do have the ability to to turn and stand and say, get away from me. And so that's what we want you to see. This is what the principle of first is all about. God is always on your side. There's no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. You can stand against any tactic of the enemy and win with the word of God and with his heart. And so that's why this this is so important. I don't care what area of life, we're going to focus on a financial principle that we taught you last week, but this goes beyond just financial. It's good for financial. It's good for, uh, you know, if you're going through stress or anxiety, if you're addicted to something, look, the addiction isn't the the problem. It is the problem, but really what you're doing is you're trying to numb a hurt in your life, and you're turning to something to other God to answer your problem, but, you know, every time you go to the addiction, you wake up and the problem's still there. And so this is why seeking first the kingdom of God is so good. He's there to meet your needs. He's there to help you. He's there to bless you. And he's there to give you answers that you can't find in this world. I don't care what it is. And so that's the principle of first. Now, turn to Exodus chapter 13. I told you to go ahead and turn there. We're going to read a hard passage. Are you guys okay with that, reading a hard passage? 
look, the Bible's good. Every part of it's good. I'm not afraid of any of the Bible. It's all good for teaching, rebuking, correcting, exalting, whatever it may be. The scripture's always good. Exodus chapter 13, verse one and two. Here's the principle first. Now, last week I told you in the Hebrew, I, you know, and I'm, I'm not gonna read this in the Hebrew because then I would be speaking in tongues and you wouldn't know what I'm saying, okay? Uh, but in Hebrew, the emphasis is always on the Lord speaking, or if he says something, the emphasis is on what he's saying, although there's something he's telling you, there's a principle he's telling you, but focus on who he, who he is and what he's saying. All right, so I'll show you. Verse, verse one of 13 says, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, consecrate or set apart to me all the firstborn, whether opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, everyone say, it is mine. That's the emphasis, it's all his. I don't care what it is. The man, the beast, the field, the tree, the grass, the herb, the dirt, the earth, the sky, you get it? It's all his. He owns it all. It's all he made it all. It's all his. And so the emphasis is, first, the Lord spoke. The emphasis is, the Lord is speaking. And the other emphasis, it is mine, but he's trying to tell you a principle. This is, whenever, whenever I bless you with a child, with cattle, resources, whenever I bless you, I want you to consecrate or set apart the first, what's that called? The tithe, the first, I want you to set that apart for me. It's mine. You're bringing that to God. You're not bringing it to me. I know you're bringing it to the house where you worship. You're bringing it. That's always been the principle all through scriptures, that you bring it to the house that you worship. You bring it to the house that's feeding you. But you're bringing it to God. And we told you last week, if you missed it, you're, you're, also, you're giving it to the church or you're giving it to the, that leadership, but you're also, God is also receiving it in heaven. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture that we talked about last week. But that's the principle. The first is always his. I don't care if it's financially, if it's in your energy, if it's in your time, if it's in your family. God is always first. And I think we all know that principle. Seek first his kingdom always, always. I don't care what the situation is. Seek first his kingdom. It works in every avenue uh, or topic or situation in your life. Seek first always the king, the Lord, Christ himself. Here's the, here's the hard passage. You ready? It gets a little bit harder. Verse 12, we'll just skip on down. Uh, not intentionally, you can read it all later, but verse 12 says this, that you set apart to the Lord all that opens the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal, which you have, the males should be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck, and the firstborn of man among you, your sons, you shall redeem. How many of you got it? All right, not many of us. We don't, I'm thankful we live than the age that we live in. I don't know about breaking donkeys' necks and sacrificing lambs. I don't know if I could do that. But do you know, everything in the Old Testament, every, everything in the Scriptures points to the Messiah, points to Christ, everything. It all does. Now, in the Old Testament, they got paid by, uh, you know, we receive paychecks today. That's how we know our resources, right? In the Old Testament, they, uh, were, they were cattle farmers. They were growers. They, they, they grew crops. Uh, that was their resources back then. They had money too, but most of them would value how they're doing or their, their wealth. They would look at how many sheep they had, how many goats they had, how many the fruit of the ground or whatever it is. That's how they were receiving their payment, and that's how they lived that, in, in that time. So God was saying that would be your tithe. So if you were a cattle farmer, the firstborn male would be mine. You would give that, you'd bring that to God and sacrifice the firstborn male of, of an animal. If it's a donkey, you'd bring the donkey and the donkey had to be redeemed. Why? Why does a donkey have to be redeemed? It doesn't make sense, does it? Why do you, 
what does that mean, redeeming a donkey? So maybe, you're, uh, maybe you've read this before, maybe the Lord has shown you this, too. maybe you're ahead of me, but uh, let's just go through that for a second. How, how, do we, how do we know to sacrifice or redeem it? First, God gave us two animals. He gave us the, the lamb and the donkey. All through scripture, Jews had animals. Some were clean, some were unclean, correct? Donkeys were unclean, lambs were clean. Okay, I won't go into all the other ones, but, you know, pigs were unclean. There are other things. That's why they don't eat pork, all right? Jews don't eat pork today even. They're allowed to, but some of them won't, and it's okay. So, the lamb's clean, the donkey's unclean. So the scripture says, if, you, if the donkey has a, if, if the donkey, let's, let's read it again, but if every firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem it with a lamb. So every firstborn of a donkey has to be redeemed. If not, you break its neck. Why? You're going to lose it anyway. If you don't redeem it with the blood of the lamb, you're going to lose it anyway. This is a spiritual principle. If someone that is lost from Christ doesn't receive Jesus, it's going to be lost. Financial principle. Jesus, again, we shared this last week. If you don't bring the tithe, then you're allowing a curse over your finances, over your family. But when you tithe, when you bring the first tenth, what happens to the rest of the ninety? It's redeemed. God protects it. He stands, he says it, it's his own words. I stand to rebuke the devourer on your behalf. And see that I won't open the windows of heaven and shower blessings upon you. That's what he says. So again, it's a, it's a principle of the first. This is not about money, so please hear me. It's about your heart. Even when we're worshiping Jesus, he should be first. And I think we all know that as believers. Jesus should be first, right? Now watch this. Let me just show you the principle. Let me just show you the symbolism worked out. So he gave you a clean animal and an unclean animal. The firstborn of the clean animal has to be sacrificed. The firstborn of the clean has to be sacrificed. The firstborn of the unclean has to be redeemed. Now let me put this in the, maybe, maybe put it in a situation that you can understand. God gave his only begotten son, Jesus, who is called the Lamb of God. Is Jesus clean or unclean? Clean. clean. Even more so than we could ever fathom or imagine. No sin. He is perfect. He's never sinned. So Jesus is clean. Now, how about all of us? Unclean. We're a bunch of donkeys, aren't we? We're unclean. We're unclean. So what does that mean? We have to be redeemed by what? the blood of the lamb. Isn't that amazing that all the way back in Exodus, they're showing you the Messiah. All the way in Exodus, God is showing you, I'm sending you the Messiah, and everyone that is unclean needs to be redeemed by the sacrifice of the clean. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that God sent his only son. And it's not, look, and... There's a whole other message. But it's not just for a select few. He died for the whole world. Amen. And you need to see this, and I, I love this. And here's another point that will blow your mind, that Jesus is God's tithe. Think about it this way. Jesus, 
It's, he's more than a tithe. He gave you everything. We, only, we bring the first tenth, but God the Father gave you, he bankrupted heaven for us. He sent Jesus in faith, in faith. Think about it. When you, when you bring your tithe, you're bringing it in faith, but let me show you why. Because God gave Jesus in faith. How do we know that? Because he gave Jesus while we were yet sinners. He died even when we were messing up. He didn't wait for you to get it right. Faith says, I'm giving you my son in faith, knowing that when I sacrifice my son and his shed blood, for, and when he dies on the cross, of course, he resurrection from the dead, and you know, we celebrate all of that too, but you need to know that he had to be sacrificed to redeem us. Without the blood of Jesus, we can't cleanse our sins. Without the blood of Jesus, we're not redeemed. Without the blood of Jesus, we can't be saved. Without the blood of Jesus, we can't understand, talk, hear God at all because we're unclean. We're unclean. But if the lamb is sacrificed, the shed blood of the lamb can redeem the unclean. He can cleanse us. Isn't that amazing? Now I'll show you that it was in faith because God gave his only begotten son in faith. Now I know we weren't there 2,000 years ago, but the reality is all sin put Jesus to the cross. The sin before Jesus came to earth, the sin after Jesus came to earth. Our, all of our sin went to the cross that day. So in faith, God gave his only begotten son. He was going to the cross and we were spitting at him, mocking him, rebelling against him, calling him names, running from him, purposefully sinning, knowing that we were sinners, purposefully doing it. In faith, God gave you Jesus. God gave me Jesus. He gave all of us Jesus while we were yet sinners. The Father gave him in faith. You see, it's about putting God first. The Father gave us his son, the pure, spotless lamb, the lamb of God, so that we could be saved so that we could be set free. That's what this verse is talking about. And then watch this. This is what's so beautiful about redemption. You see, redemption always has a cost. Now, salvation and freedom and everything that we received is free, but it did have a tremendous cost. It cost Jesus. But watch this. The, it's when the first portion is given in faith the principle of first. When Jesus was given him first, did it redeem the rest? Yes. God gave Jesus. He was sacrificed on the cross and it redeemed humanity. Every human being can be saved. It doesn't mean that all will be saved. It's, it's free will. It's our choice. But when you receive Jesus and you make yourself a follower of God and you begin to follow God, and by the way, you didn't found Jesus. He found you. So let's just get it straight. But when you commit to follow Jesus and you die to yourself and you become a follower of Christ, that's when redemption happens. The blood was shed 2,000 years ago, that's true. But when you receive that redemption, when you receive that gift, it is a gift. You don't work for it. Ephesians 2, it's a gift. You receive it by the grace of God or else it wouldn't be a gift. It's not about works. Look, following God, seeking his righteousness, you will do good things. But please don't tie the two together. It's because of the faith of God the Father giving his son and the shed blood of Jesus because we have redemption. That's what this is all about. The firstborn must be sacrificed and redeemed. Second, the first fruits must be offered. 
The first fruits must be offered. Now remember, the firstborn, that relates to people that raise cattle. The first fruits relate to people that grow stuff, that grow crops, okay? So again, we all receive pretty much the same method of payment, don't we? We receive a paycheck, but we all have different careers. We all have different gifts. We all have different talents. And by the way, your gifts and talents and my gifts and talents and your gifts and talents, it doesn't make us better than you or you. God's gifted us all differently and equally. And by the way, he made it all anyway. So how would you do your job if God didn't make what he made? You can't be an engineer if you didn't have anything to engineer. You can't be a craftsman if there's no wood. You can't be successful in oil and gas if there's no oil and gas. He made it all, and he gave you the gifts and talents to use what he made to bless other people. And so again, it's all about him. So the first fruits must be offered. So look at your, your vocation as kind of your first fruits. Look at your talents and your gifts maybe as a first fruit. God, I'm, I'm offering first, God, thank you. God, I'm, I'm offering myself, my life, Romans 12, 2 says, this sacrifice now is a living sacrifice. I'm offering you my life because the pure spotless lamb has been sacrificed and that redeems all. We don't need to sacrifice animals anymore, but we do sacrifice ourselves to worship a holy God. And we put him first in our lives and we follow him with all desire and intention that we can. It doesn't mean that we're perfect, but we do our best to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Let me give you a couple of scriptures and then I want to share with you what I told you last week I'd share with you. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Exodus 23, 19 says, The first of the first fruits. So the first of the first fruits is what? The first of the first fruits is the tithe. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Again, all through scripture, we shared that last week, you always bring it to the house that's feeding you. You bring it to the house of the Lord. In the Old Testament, it was to the temple. Before the temple, it was to Melchizedek. When they had a portable temple, you brought it, brought it to the temple. In fact, they would make, remember last week we talked to you, they made altars and you'd bring it to the place. And that time they were moving around, but you'd bring it there. When a temple was born, you'd bring it to the temple. You brought it to David, you brought it to Solomon. That got destroyed. Jesus made an amazing new thing called the church. And now you bring it to the house of the Lord. It's his house. He's the head. I'm not the head. He's the head. And so we bring our tithe to God. But you have to, the first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. Here's what the scripture is saying. It doesn't matter what your vocation is or what you're growing or what you're, what you're blessed with by God. You bring the first to him. You must offer it. You must bring it to him. Genesis 4, 3 through 5. Have you, ever, uh, have you ever asked yourself about this question? This is a story about Cain and Abel. These are like the first people of creation. So tithing, and I'm telling you, I'm just using, I'm using tithing. And so maybe you're here today and you're, you're saying, well, see, here's the church always talking about money. And I'm just using a money principle so you can understand. The first is the first no matter what. It doesn't matter if it's money, if it's your family, if it's your job, if it's your, uh, something that you're going through. Look, put God first. What does his heart say? What does his word say? What does God say about whatever you're going through? It doesn't matter. Watch and see. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and see that he won't help you, bless you, correct you, change you, transform you. By the way, this word changes us. We don't change the word. Seek first his kingdom and see what happens. See what God will do. And I promise you, I promise you to be a bigger blessing than you ever thought. Yes, it relates to finances. It relates to your life. It relates to your kids. It relates to your marriage. It relates to everything. Seek first his kingdom. That's what the principle of first is all about. 
But with Genesis 4, 3 through 5, I've always had this question. This is about Cain and Abel, some of the first kids of creation, right? There's Adam and Eve, and very soon after is Cain and Abel. I know there's a lot more kids uh, that, we, that we know about because there's all kinds of nations after this. But uh, isn't it crazy? It goes from Adam and Eve walking with God in the cool of night to sin to murder very quickly. Isn't that crazy? Another message totally, another series. We'll do that another time. But watch this, verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And also, or Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Have you ever wondered why God accepted Abel's but not Cain's? Why did he accept Abel's but not? They both brought an offering to the Lord. Why was one accepted and one rejected? Well, look at the wording because the wording in the Bible is very, very important, especially read it in the Hebrew. You'll see it's very clear what happens. Verse three, it says, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering. What does the scripture say? Now, Cain grew crops and Abel had flocks. All right, so Abel would bring his firstborn, right? That's what it said, bring your firstborn and bring it to the Lord. Cain, because he was a, a produced crops, he would have brought the first of his first fruits. He would have brought the first of the first fruit. Is that what it says? It's not what it says, does it? It says, now in the process of time, came to pass that Cain brought an offering. It doesn't say his first fruits, and God would have been very intentional. He would have said he brought his first fruits if he brought his first fruits. He didn't. He brought an offering. He brought what he could. And this is what a lot of us do in church. And look, I'm not judging you. I did the same thing for a long time. It just really is about trust and about your heart. Cain does what a lot of us do. Well, I have to pay everything else and do everything else and then I'll bring what's left over. God can't accept that. I know you're giving it, but you need to understand that we serve a God who deserves to be first. In fact, I'll, I'll teach you a quick doctrine and then I'll, then I'll move on to the next point. Let me teach you a few things about God. First of all, is God all-knowing? He's all-knowing. So what, what's that called? Omniscience, all right? That's a biblical term for all-knowing. We were having this conversation with our students on Wednesday night. We have a little small group, and we were talking about, um, we were actually talking about seek first. Uh, I'm sorry, we weren't talking about seek first. We were talking about Matthew, uh, where it was seek God with all your heart, soul, in mind, we were talking about that in, in, scripture, in, the, uh, in the youth, and we were talking about having rhythms in life. And so we had this small group, and one of the kids said, hey, you know, we were talking about, his, he was actually talking about knowledge, and I said, hey, look, God's all-knowing. He said, no, God thinks like we do, and so he's, he's learning too. I'm like, no. God knows everything about everything. Otherwise, why would you worship him? Would you want to worship a God that doesn't know everything about everything? I wouldn't. The God I worship, I want him to know everything about everything. And that's who we worship. That's who God is. He's omniscient. There's nothing that he does not know. We'll never walk up to God and say, God, hey, look what happened in my life, man. I learned this. That's awesome. And God wouldn't go, wow, I never knew that. (laughs) You're never going to walk up to God and he's going to go, oh, I should have known that. Now, we will say that. That's why his thinking is above our thinking. His thoughts are above our thoughts. It's not that God doesn't think, that God doesn't have a new thought. God thinks like, like we're created in his image. But let's be, let's be perfectly clear. We're created in his image. He's not created in our image. 
So he's all-knowing. We don't have that ability. There's another doctrine called uh, all-powerful. Is God all-powerful? I love this silly question that, that many people ask, and it's, it's one of those that a lot of people will use, is, is there a mountain that God can't move? Well, that's just silly. He made them all with words. No, there's not a mountain that God can't move. The only, God, the only mountain that God can't move is if you don't want him to move something in your life, he's not going to force himself on you. And that's not a physical mountain, that's more of bondage. But Jesus came to free you. The word came to free you. You came to be set if you, uh, you know, what's the word say? John 8 says, my word will set you free. You'll be free. But you have to receive it. You have to live it out. You have to walk it. Can God move it? Absolutely. There's not a mountain or a healing or a, a thing in your life that can't be moved, that God can't change or transform or supernaturally put heaven to earth. But he doesn't force himself on you. You have a free will. You have a choice. But he's all-powerful. There's nothing that he can't do. And here's a, the last one, and this is the one I want to focus on too. Preeminence. It's not a word we use very often. Preeminence. But what does it mean? Preeminence means Christ is supreme. He is first. And this is why he could not accept Cain's offering because he always should be first. And if we're offering something that's just, eh, he has to reject it because he's the one true God. We can't bring God our seconds. We can't bring God our leftovers. He's a God that made everything. He deserves the first. So here's a great scripture. And I was joking with first service. I think we need to make a worship song out of this. Colossians 1, 15 through 18. I've always had a burden to sing theology because we don't always get it in the word, but in song we get it. Colossians 1, 15, 18 says this. Let me get there with you. It's in a different translation, so I, I wrote it out for you. Let me read it. This is a... Verse 15 of chapter 1 of Colossians says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed, listen to this, before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything, everyone, everyone say everything, everything. was created through him and for him. That's what preeminence is all about. He existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. Think about that. That doesn't go with our world's teaching today, does it? If God lets go, it's over. It's over. Everything was created for him. He existed before everything. He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in, everyone say, everything. That's why he couldn't accept Cain's offering, because he wasn't first. Cain didn't come to honor God. Cain didn't come to worship God. I don't know about you, but I, I felt this way when I first came to church. You know that, that tray would come across, but, and by the way, this is why we don't pass a tray. Because we want God to be first in your heart. We want you to tithe because it's your worship, not because you feel like you have to because it's going by you. We want him to be preeminent that he's first in your life, and we want you to give out of joy. Not out of fear, not out of, oh, they're watching me. Or, oh, they looked at what they put in the plate. Look, I don't care what they put in the plate. All I care about is that you honor God with first of everything. That includes finances. That's what true worship is all about. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. So, that's 
The first fruits must be offered finally. The tithe must be first. And I'm going to have fun with this one. Leviticus 27.30 says this, And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land, nor the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, it's all holy. What does holy mean? Set apart to the Lord. It's all his. It's mine. It's his. It's the Lord's. So we always bring, whether it's our increase or our whatever we get. Remember, tithing is a test. We talked about this. Look, we always bring it to the Lord. It's his. We bring it to him. He's preeminent. He's the supreme. He deserves our worship and praise. And I don't think uh, any of you that tithe, you understand, you get it. You know what a joy it is to honor God and worship God with everything that you have, including our finances. So let's have some fun with this, shall we? If we got a job today, how many of you need a job today? All right, this is hypothetical. I'm not giving you a job. This is hypothetical. But I'll be praying for that you, that you get a job. If, I get, if you got a job and I paid you $1,000 and $100 bills, $1,000 and $100 bills. So how many $100 bills would you get? Ten. And God says, bring the first of your first fruits or the first of your firstborn. So out of that thousand, $100. You guys got it. You guys are quick. I know it's morning and it's math and that's difficult. So you, the tithe is $100. Which, so you get ten $100 bills. The tithe is $10. Which one's the tithe? The first one. I think I heard someone say the top one. Right, you stack them all up, you got 10. Look, I don't care if it's the top one, the middle one, or the bottom one. And here's what I do care about, that you give them the first one. Maybe you're a card player and you like to shuffle your 100s and you just pull one out of the hat. That's fine, but make sure it's the first one. Now, here's what I'm saying. It's all about your heart. This is not legalistic. So if Jen, I think all women like to shop and we weren't able to tithe, right away, and she went to Amazon and bought whatever, and I'm like, oh, great, huh? now we're cursed because you just gave Amazon our tithe. Just tithe the Amazon. And by the way, Amazon, PNC, Duquesne, none of them can redeem the 90, just so you know. Only God can redeem. I don't care. So just, just put that in your perspective as you're paying your bills. If the first one that you're paying is PNC, you're not redeemed, my friend. I'm telling you. Your money's not redeemed. It's the first one. And why the first one? Why is it the first one? Why don't you go through and pay the bills and then whatever you got left, you give that to God because it's not putting God first, is it? It's actually putting God last. So where's our faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please God is what Hebrews 11 says. James says, look, even though you're trying to do a good work by giving, works without faith is dead. And vice versa. You can't have faith without works because we serve a good God who does good things. So look, they go together. So realize the tithe must be first. And when you give the tithe, listen, this is the amazing principle of first. Whenever you put God first, whenever God's first, he redeems the rest. I don't care what principle it is in your life, but since we're looking at tithing, whenever you give that first tithe to God, scenario is whenever you receive your thousand and you give him a hundred, he redeems the other $900 bills. He redeems them. Well, what does that look like? It looks a lot of ways. Trust me, if you're a tither, you know. I can share testimony after testimony how God has stood in front of the devourer and said, get away from him, he's mine. I've redeemed him, the blood of the lamb is on him. You're not taking that. But that's why he said, if you don't redeem the donkey, you break his neck. If you don't give the tithe, look, you're opening yourself up to the lion to come in and devour you. But when you give the tithe, the, lion, the, the lamb stands in front of the lion and says, he's mine. 
And when he opens up the windows of heaven, look, it's not always dollar for dollar. It can be, it could be a lot of things. But listen, God blesses you in a lot of ways. Relationships, jobs, favor. I was just talking to somebody out in the lobby. They just got a promotion. That's God. He's blessing you. Keep being faithful to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He will bless you. He's, he's a great God. He's here to bring abundance. Jesus said, I come to give you abundant life. Abundant life. It's going to look a lot of different ways. That's why we always put God first. God, I'm not doing this to get something. I'm doing this because I love you. And you deserve my worship. You deserve my praise. You deserve my family. You deserve my marriage. You deserve every part of me. God, you are truly first in my life. I'm seeking first your kingdom, your heart, your word, and I'm putting it together. And God, thank you, thank you, thank you that your shed blood saved me and redeemed me. However you want to bless me, by the way, anytime God's bless you is always better than you think, isn't it? God, however you want to bless me, I receive it and I just thank you. And I bring my glory right back to you. I bring it right back to you because it's all yours and you deserve all the glory. Finally, let me close with this. Exodus three thirteen. Here's a good example. And uh, uh, we teach our kids early on. So we've taught them how to tithe early on. So, but this is really going to happen in your life at some point. And so I want to give you a, a passage in scripture, and then I want to give you a hypothetical, if you don't mind. Uh, Exodus 13, 14, 15 says this. So it shall come to be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this that you shall say to him? By the strength of the hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn, and letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, but the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that opens the womb, but all the firstborns of my sons I redeem. And let me just give you a fun way. If, you, if, you, if you're looking at this going, I really don't get it. Here's a dad talking to his son, and his son is saying, hey, dad, I don't know if you know this or not, dad, but we're in the ranching business. And every time that sheep has a baby, you kill it. And so, Dad, I just don't understand. We're in the ranching business, Dad. So if you were let the sheep live, we'd actually make more money. But every time the sheep, the firstborn male, you kill it. So you're really just throwing the money away, Dad. And the dad stops the son and says, Son, I need to tell you something. Your dad wasn't always this blessed. Your dad wasn't always a good man. Your dad was in bondage. Your dad was enslaved to the Egypt. We didn't always make good decisions, son. But one day we realized that we messed up and we prayed to God that he would free us and save us. And one day God The lamb of God was put over our doorpost and God killed all the firstborn males and all the firstborn of the, of the animals of that day in Egypt but saved us. And so son, that day I met Jesus and that day I said, God, thank you. And now son, I gladly give God my first because he saved me, he redeemed me and he set me free. Now I know we didn't come out of Egypt. Many of you weren't in bondage to Egypt, but let me just say something. You were in bondage to something. I was in bondage to something. 
I wasn't always the man I am today. And you weren't either. You needed a Savior and I needed a Savior. I said things out of my mouth that were evil. I said things out of my heart that were unkind. I did things to hurt people. And I was in bondage to an enemy that wanted to steal, kill, and destroy me. But God saved me. You see, you're going to have this conversation with your kids someday. You see, my son or my daughter, this is why we tithe. Because God saved me from being a man I didn't want to be. He saved me from myself. He saved me from an enemy that wanted to kill me and destroy me. And now, son or daughter, I gladly give God the first of all the increase and the blessing. We are blessed today because of Jesus, not because of me. But dad, I really want that toy, my son. You have more toys that you know what to do with. This is the Lord's. We always bring it to the Lord's. We bring it to him gladly with joy. The tithe is always first, my son. Always first, my daughter. You teach them. They're not going to learn this in school, I promise you. They're not going to learn this. Now, we teach it here, but I'm just telling you, it needs to be taught by you. Exodus says, write it on their doorposts, hang it around their necks, put it on their foreheads, do whatever you can. Basically what it's saying, live it out right in front of them. Tell them what a great God we have. Tell them that Jesus is the preeminent, all-knowing, all-powerful God that we worship, we choose to worship. And if they ever ask the question, why, God, why, Mom and Dad, why do we do that? Because Mom and Dad wasn't always good. We didn't always know Jesus. But praise the Lamb of God that was shed for our sins, that redeemed and saved us. Would you stand to your feet? I just want to pray for you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Don't worry about your neighbor. This is just about you and God. Lord, I pray for each person here. Lord, this principle of first has great impact in every area of our life, Lord. And so we're thankful to be standing here before you. Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for every single one of us in this room. God, every single person in this planet, you died for. You paid the price. Whether they acknowledge you or not, you paid the price. Jesus, we're so thankful. This morning I was praying and the Holy Spirit really put it on me. Some, somebody in this room, maybe multiple people, you're struggling. You're struggling with an addiction. You're struggling with violent words or abuse. And I just need you to hear Jesus' heart. You're not too far gone. The Lord is saying, I love you. I want to help you. First Peter says, you come and you bring your cares to me. I don't care what it is. Don't be ashamed, my son. Yes, turn and repent. Yes, change. But I'm here to help you. I will help you. I will walk with you. I'll send you a helper. The Holy Spirit will help you. 
Look, it won't be easy. You're going to have to make choices to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. But I promise you this, if you'll choose God, if you choose God, he'll show you this abundant, blessed life that he promised to give you. And that addiction or that hurt or those words or that abuse, you're going to see God rescue you in a way that only God can do. And so, Lord, I just pray for everybody here. Lord, I'm not going to ask them to raise their hand. I don't want to embarrass them. I don't want to solo them out. But if that's you, I just want you to receive it and say, Lord, help me. Jesus, help me. If you're here today and you haven't received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can do that right there in your shirt. I can't save you. All you have to do is say, Lord, I am so sorry. Repent. God, I'm sorry. I want you. I want to make you first. And the word says that when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, instantly he'll save you. He'll save you. But you've got to follow. You've got to seek. And so, Lord, I pray for anybody here that wants to receive Jesus right here, right now. Holy Spirit, speak to them. Lord, they already know. They feel it right now in their heart. I remember. I got saved right here in this room. Jesus, I remember. Holy Spirit, when you spoke to me, I remember. Jesus, thank you. Many of us in this room were saved. We remember and we thank you. Can we just do something right now? Can you lift your heart, your head, hands to the Lord right now? Just say, Jesus, in your own words, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your shed blood. Thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, thank you that you are the Lord to redeem us, to save us, to set us free. We love you, Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Let's worship. And if you want prayer for anything at all, anything at all, Look, come bring your cares. We want to pray for you. We are not judging you. So please hear me. I remember when I got saved, I always thought, look, they know all my stuff. We don't know. God knows. We don't know. We're here to stand with you and encourage you. There's power in prayer. Don't let the enemy or your mind tell you that you can't pray. You can pray. In fact, this is, that'll be the moment that God begins to change and snap and change things. So if you want prayer, come up and pray. We'll have some altar teams here. Altar teams, come on up. Take some time to worship. And whenever you're ready to pray, come on up. If you want to wait till after service because you don't like all the people around, that's fine. Just come up and pray after service. But please, please, please pray. We would be honored to pray with you. We love you. Let's worship together.